Wonderful. So, good morning all. How are you guys? It's really wonderful to worship the Lord. I'm going to jump right in. Happy Father's Day. And Dad, happy Father's Day to you, sir. I have a wonderful father. I'm blessed. I am blessed. But he has been a father to many, I can tell you. Many people and to many movements, many churches too. He's just been a father. So, I am... we're in the series called The Church in This Hour, and uh, I cannot recap the last two weeks. It would just be impossible. Um, that's actually not true. I, I could, but then we wouldn't get through anything today. So um, I wonder if you could turn to Judges chapter 6, and we're speaking about, in a sense, when God's people return to the Lord, and there's a blueprint here, not that it's this structured, everything must be exact. It's, it's not like that in the kingdom. And I've said it every week and I'll continue to say it. If I was asked, if I was forced in a sense to give someone a blueprint for revival, for awakening, to transform a society, I would give them this story. And, um, and it's a wonderful story because we see the honesty, we see the journey, we see the doubts, the fears, the issues, which gives me hope. Yeah? You know, when you read about Peter, you're like, okay, if he can, I can. And um, so we're we talking about the nation of Israel. And they are facing the Midianites, and we've gone through this. The Midianites represent the surrounding culture, that which surrounds the people of God. And obviously Israel is the church, and they team up with the Amalekites, and the people of the East is overwhelming voices, everything that many of us are feeling today, yeah? It's just me? <laughs> All right, thank you. Just a little bit of participation, that's okay. And um, so, and I do trust this series is a little bit more, it's more than just interesting. Uh, I trust that God will highlight a point to you or maybe one of the weeks to you because it can be, everyone's in a different place, but it can be a roadmap out of where a person is at or out of even for a, for a group, for a church, for a nation, for a region, for a movement. There's a roadmap here and it's a wonderful, wonderful roadmap. It really, really is. So we see that it says in verse 6, I'm not going to read all of it again. It says that Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, or we could say the church was greatly impoverished because of what surrounded them. And the answer is never, well, then attack and destroy the people around them because the Bible says we're not to fight flesh and blood, right? So what happens? The people of God begin to cry out for God. As it says in Judges 2.7, that an entire generation has happened over and over in Israel, and it's happening, it still happens today. An entire generation had been raised up in a sense, busy playing church, but never actually seen the power of God. Never actually seen Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai, do stuff and move, and never seen that you can actually have a society that is moral without legalism. Never seen God transform a city. But they go to church all their life. And this is what we're seeing here in the scripture. And so it leads to a subdued church that hides away, that has no harvest. You know, if you've never seen a genuine hundreds or maybe thousands of people getting saved regularly in deep tears, repentance and sorrow and changing families and businesses and, and like, if you've never seen that, you've never seen a genuine, genuine harvest time, the real, the real harvest of the Lord. And so that's what's happening here. It says they were sowing, but there was no harvest. They were sowing, but there was no harvest. And so last week we spoke about when people meet God. 
some, and I'm not saying every one of you have to have God come down and you meet him like Gideon did. But when there's an encounter, when there's either, even if it's just a revelation, a revelation from the word or any time the spirit of God impacts your heart and lights upon you and you know something is different, something's changed, even if it's just a small revelation, it's like you can see clearly all of a sudden, ah, who knows, who's, you know, we've all had these. And when that happens, there are certain things that begin to take place. And it's very, very important. We discussed it last week. Firstly, God will always meet us where we're at. God actually will speak into you who you are. That's how he puts courage into you. We may be praying about God, the Midianites, or God, this issue, or God, that issue. And God's response is, this is who you are, Gideon. And I've seen men like, well, Lord, that's okay, you love me, that's great, but we want you to fix this. And what's his response? This is who you are. I call you this. Because he's about to raise you up and change you and help you and bless you so that you can become a part of the answer. Let me ask you a question. Because then after that, God meets us where we're at, then he commissions us. This is the same pattern throughout Scripture. Does the Bible say or does it not say that God determines the exact time and places where people should live? Is that a Scripture? Yeah. So that means for what the earth is facing, when everything is upside down, and we'll talk a bit more bluntly about that in a little bit, that God somehow saw fit as He stands outside of time to put you here now. Think about that. You are not the answer. He's the answer. But you and him partnering together, there is a solution to what the world is facing, to what is going on. There is a solution within God's people for what's happening. There, there is. There is. They may, and you are most likely involved. There is a solution in God's house. We used to, the gentleman who started the movement that, that I come out of, that I grew up in, he said, Jesus is God's total answer for man's total problem total. And what happened is here is the, the people in the house of God started in a sense using the same strategies, the same weapons, the same thought process, the same doing everything the same as the world. They were worshiping the same gods as these people and, and it wasn't working. And that's what happens. And so God meets this guy and says to him, hey, this is who I am. And he reveals himself, but he commissions him. There is a solution in the house of God when those in the house of God are walking with God. There is a solution, practical, political, financial, actual solutions. You know, God is the best businessman you can ever, he's the best. We know of people that have actually had just no answer for certain situations and asked the Lord and the Lord showed up in a dream and gave them schematics and they invented something that had not been invented and made millions of dollars. That would be much easier, Lord. You know? And then God commissions us. And then, but what happens after the commission? There's a fight of faith. We covered this last week. There's a fight in us. God, was it you? Wasn't it you? Was it you? Wasn't it you? And then he restores worship. He restores worship. And this is where we ended last week. And many people stop here, friends. There's this moment, this worship conference, this, I had this encounter with the Lord in this worship conference or even in my car and all of a sudden I understood something and it's like God showed up and changed my heart and then they stop at the encounter and they tell of the encounter. You wouldn't believe, it was wonderful. Oh, it was, but keep listening because those who walk with God, which is what we're gonna talk about today, 
He will continue to speak to you. And some of the things he says after those good, wonderful moments are specific things and are things to do. It's like sometimes I see it this way. I love the presence of God. If you know me for like five minutes, the presence of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the prophetic, and obviously doctrine and love. And, but it's like we so love that, but it can be almost a trap for some people. Not that God could ever deceive, but it's, if that's, we just get into the motion. Bless me, Lord. Let me know your presence. And he's like, listen, I'm going to walk with you every day. I'm going to love you. I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to be with you. But there are also things I need done on the earth. There's things to be done. And if you would, you know, help, you could, could partner with me and we can do things. If not, I'm going to love you. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to teach you my voice. I'm going to walk with you. You're going to know my presence. There's going to be many encounters for you. I'm going to embrace you. But I'll, there's also things to be done on the earth. Hello? Much like children. You can always come to my house. You can always, I mean, I remember whenever I'd visit my parents' house, even after I'd moved out, first place, fridge. Fridge. Now, when we used to lead youth to come to the house, first place, fridge. What's in here? They're hungry. They have no money. They're at college. Like, I mean, they want to eat everything. And it's like that, you know, you come into the house of the Lord, you feel the Father's presence, and you're like, oh, I feel fed. I feel, oh. And as you grow up, the Lord says, let's partner. There's things I need done on the earth. And the Bible has this phrase about people who walk with God. And what I've discovered is there's a difference between encountering the Lord and actually walking with the Lord. In our mind, they're the same. In Scripture, those who walk with God are those who have actually obeyed something that He's asked them to do. And after that, it says, and they walk with the Lord. Because they've met Him, they know obedience is not from fear. So we're going to talk about that today, because it happens here. So I'm going to try to give you an outline. People always say, you know, tell people what you're going to tell them, and then tell them. See, here's the cheat sheet behind me. When people walk with God, there will be tipping points of decisions. For those of you who take notes, you can put down the verses, go home and study it, and you'll see it as clear as day. Then there's the response of others, because you've done something. Then there's the necessity of fathers. You know, I didn't plan to speak about fathers on Father's Day. It's just the Lord. You know, you, wa you want the voice of the Lord like that. You want the voice of the Lord speaking to you about things that you didn't plan, but they line up. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? Today in the middle of the worship, just as an example, I, I leaned over to Tommy. Chris doesn't even know this. I don't even know if he was here. And I said, Chris is going to bring a word today. Just give him the mic when he comes. And do we all serve the same Lord or not? Yeah? He speaks to us all. One God, one spirit. And then comes a mantle after that, a mantle for service. So, first one, let's go to verse Judges 6. We enter into the story. They've cried out to God. God responds to them corporately, restores his voice through a prophet. Then he comes and encounters Gideon. Then there's a whole process with Gideon, and Gideon realizes, I've seen the face of the Lord. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to die. And then the Lord says, don't worry. We'll pick it up in verse 23. Then the Lord said to him, to Gideon, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. And to this day, it still is an Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Now, the next three verses is what we're going to look at. Gideon has this encounter with the Lord. He, in a sense, meets the Lord. Now, only three verses. There's a lot in these three verses. Verse 25. 
Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull. This is actually very funny to me. Take your father's young bull, the second bull. You know when the Lord's going to, it tells you something, you're like, I'm not sure. He said, you know, and it's like the Lord knows Gideon. So he, he's real specific. He's like, he's going to falter, you know. He said the bull, but, you know, I'm, I, I want to be so integrous. He didn't say which one, so I'm just going to wait. It's like, he knows this guy. So he's like the second bull, the one of seven years old. Like, he, he really like this one. He says, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image. That is actually the phrase Asherah, or wooden grove, or the grove of Asherah. It was they would have an idol of Baal or Dagon or something, depending on which false god, which is actually a demon, by the way, which we'll get into another day. And um, they would put other, sometimes it was just these wooden poles, like totem poles, or they would have an entire grove, still happens today in some places, like a grove of trees that were beautifully well kept, and in the trees they would carve images of women and nymphs and sexuality, and that's what was happening. So this came at a great cost to Joash, Gideon's father. It cost him a lot. There was people maintaining it. It says here, Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image or the grove of Asherah. That is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image, which you shall cut down. So that's very clear. And so Gideon took men from among his servants, shows us that even though they're hiding in dens and caves and strongholds in the mountains for fear of the Midianites, this man, Joash, obviously before that had some wealth. He had paid, in a sense, for this bail to be up there, and he was maintaining it, and he had a, a house of servants. So there was, he was some guy of some sort of stature. And it says, yes, so Gideon took man from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Well, the tipping point of decision. It's a test, and God does test people, but he does, if we, if we have this perspective of God that's not healthy, we think he tests us to make sure that we know that we can't. No. In school, I go to a test because if I can get the test right, I can go forward in safety. I can go forward with understanding. I can go forward, I'm not going to be overwhelmed. It's, it's a good, loving thing to do. So here he tests us, and the test causes Gideon to confront his own heart. It said earlier he was afraid. He was hiding. He's also afraid of his father, it seems, or his father's household. But then it says that same night. So picture, picture this. The, that same night. It's like God says, all right, Gideon, you know who I am, the God of peace here in the war. You've worshipped me in a contradictory circumstance. So that's how you get position for victory. You've worshipped Jehovah Shalom, there's war, but you've worshipped me. Man, we're positioned for victory. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take your father's bull, the one seven years old. I want you to, it's, it's not his, it's his dad's. Right, think about this. In a shame and honor society, everything Gideon did would have shamed his father. Because that is a shame and honor society. So he says, take the bull, take it, then go up 
top of the like hill or mountain where they were, because that's where the thing was, set it in the high place. That's how they would set these pagan things. And go up there and use the bull to tear down what your father has built up there. Then cut down the grove, whether it's a grove of trees or one big one, cut it down. Then build an altar to me on top of the rock there, right on top of the mountain, and take the bull, kill the bull, stick him, and use the wood from the idols to burn the bull. It's like, I think Gideon was like, Lord, I, I think he's going to notice. I think, I think he's going to see it. You know, I think, now what? Why? Friends, the Lord, in to walk with the Lord, the Lord will encounter us in private, meet us in the secret place, but He will cause us to, to have decisions and, and things to do in practical life that other people will see. The, the God we know in private has to spill over in natural, practical decisions that other people will actually see. And it is a point of no return. It's a tipping point. It's a point of no return. You can't go or say, oh, I was wrong. No, you've killed his animals. and It's a point of no return. And everybody comes to these moments. And it's a hinge. The rest of the story hinges on this moment. If he didn't do it, he would have had an amazing encounter. Nothing would have changed. It hinges on a choice. And sometimes they don't feel easy and we're afraid. So he was afraid. So he did it by night. But at least he did it. At least he did it. Jesus said to the Pharisees, which son is better? The son who says, yes, dad, and doesn't do it? Or the son who says, no, dad, but then goes and does it? The second one. He did it by night. And I love that because... The Lord uses imperfect people. If he's used you, you know it's true. I know it's true. Because he doesn't expect it to be all at once. You grow. So he's still afraid, this great man of valor, of his dad. He's got daddy issues. So he does it at night and takes his servants that he probably doesn't pay. His dad pays. You know, takes the credit card. Slips the credit card, out we go. And cost my dad a lot of money. And how many of you know Gideon no longer felt when he's in, up there in the dark, cutting wood, tearing a bull? Do, you know, he no longer felt like when he was worshiping God, he's like, oh, the list is amazing. The presence of God, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. Man, oh. But that night, he's like, I don't know anymore. You know, ah, ah, Lord, mm, I'm not sure. And it's like that. You go from the worship conference back to work. And you're like, uh, I just feels different, Lord. It's not, you know, I'm about to get fired and, you know. And the Lord says, but what did I tell you? It's not about how you feel. What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? So he did it at night. That's why I like this guy. Why? Why did he do it at night? It says to us, because he feared his father's household. Who's that? Your family. And the men of the city. Who's that? The church. 
Midianites aren't involved in this process. But he's afraid. So God puts conviction into a man's heart that is stronger than his fears. That's why conviction is the greatest gift of the Lord. It, well, it's not the greatest. People think, well, is it? No, I didn't mean that. It's a wonderful gift. When conviction grips hold of a person, man, woman, or child, it's like something has taken hold of them and knowing, and you will not move them. That's what's needed to overcome fear. It's called courage, but it's spiritual courage. So God puts conviction in Gideon's heart that is above the fear that he has. What's sad to me is he fears the response of the church, the men of the city, the other people of God. Think about it, friends. How much, oh boy, how much would happen if people felt the freedom in the church to take, a, to, to take an act, to do something for the Lord, if they knew that the rest of the church wouldn't start to destroy them? There's something wrong in the house. And God's like, all right, guys, come together, family. Let's deal with this so that we can deal with that. In the house of the Lord. What will my family think? What will my family think if I actually start to worship the Lord that way? When we started to preach on healing, physical bodily healing in the atonement, Isaiah 53 was, I don't know, many years ago. And I grew up knowing that, seeing that, but now you got to preach it. And Dwayne and I had a little journey together on this. And the night before he stood up and preached, one of the greatest sermons on healing I think I've heard on, out of Isaiah 53. I remember, because him and I were talking, he said he paced up and down. Because he knows once he starts to declare that truth, a lot of people walk away. And there's a death you die. I've been preaching at times and I've preached and as I'm preaching and I can see people's faces in my mind knowing, okay, they're going to walk away, they're going to walk away, they're going to walk away. It's things in the body of Christ that the Lord wants to bring together. He really does. You know? What's my family going to think if I, if I take them to my church and they actually see like what I believe? Oh, take them. Take them. If they walk away, take them again. Is that. That's what he's facing. That's what he's facing. And then Gideon's actually done something that is absolutely profound. Why do I know this? Because it says what? Verse 26, build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock. That word rock is actually the word mountain. The Septuagint Greek Old Testament, it's uh, a mountain. In the Hebrew, it's stronghold, a fortress. What did it say in verse 2 and 3 and 4? They had dens and caves and strongholds in the mountain. So it's talking about this, the, the, the phrase high places. Who knows the phrase high places in the Bible? 163 times in the Old Testament it says, at the high places they would put an idol. At the high places, they would burn incense. At the high places, they would worship these false gods. At the high places, at the high places. They were physical high places where they would go and build altars to gods and worship them at the high places and groves of trees and asherahs at the high places. So Gideon has literally been up all night tearing down a stronghold. A stronghold causing an entire region, hear me, please, about what we're facing today, an entire region to think a certain way. Gideon's been up all night in prayer, in a sense, 
all night, tearing down strongholds, trusting God, doing something that he's afraid of. He's been doing that all night, tearing down strongholds, replacing it with something else. Because there are times when the church needs to remember, there are times when we are in the world but not of it. We just, we love the Lord, we're in the world but not of it. But there's times when the Lord says, that's great, but now I don't need you to just be in and not be influenced. I need you to go up there and replace. Big difference. Big difference. Don't just not worship at the high place. Go up there, take it down, and replace it with the truth. That time is now. We are there now. But if we've forgotten God's ways, we do it just like the world would do it, and it doesn't work. God says to Gideon, tear down strongholds. What does Ephesians 6 say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, where? In high places. 163 times in the Old Testament. People say, well, what do you mean false gods or demons? You know it says that? Straight black and white in the Bible, 2 Chronicles 11. When the people of God again had wandered away from the Lord, he said he rejected the Levites and he appointed his own priests to serve at these pagan, to serve in the high places, comma, for the demons. It says that in the Bible. Spiritual wickedness in high places. In today, it's patterns of thought and strongholds that are over entire regions, causing people to think things that make no sense. Very brilliant, smart people, doctors, professors, lawyers, believing things that make no sense. No sense. We're like, what? Why? Because there's something spiritual behind it. So we attack the person and prove them right in their mind by doing so. God needs to remind his people to how to pull down strongholds. In the spirit, pull down strongholds. Pull down strongholds. So Gideon's been doing this. And he's, you know, he's, when you pull down a stronghold, when you've ever done warfare like that, where you've pulled something down of the enemy, it's like suddenly you see clearly. So Gideon, you know, he was afraid, but he's like, I did it, man, I did it. He's walking down the mountain, I can see clearly now. He's like, man... <laughs> You know, it's just revival's coming, awesome. And what do the people do? Well, let's read. Not what he thought. Verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was an altar of Baal. There was the altar of Baal torn down. And the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull, in other words, still burning. Real fresh, you know. The second bull was busy, was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? That's what's always behind the spirit. Shock and horror. <gasps> How can you say that? <laughs> Hello? It's like, oh my goodness, did you say that? When people speak the truth. Shock and, oh, oh, wow. Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Now, it doesn't say this. But I'm like, well, who did they ask? It seems to tell us that he was betrayed. 
either, maybe there was a witness hiding behind a tree, I don't know. But it seems to be that the people who like, we'll go with you, like they inquired, you know, probably like, you know, they inquired, like, you know, <laughs> inquired and put some pressure, you know, like the mob. I've inquired, I have some information. And it says, they inquired in the ass and they said, Gideon, the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, that's the people he was afraid of. The church, God's people, said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. Well, this, this ramped up real fast. Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. When you, want to walk, when you walk with the Lord, people do not respond like you think. And if you do it for people, you will fall apart. That's my dad going, who does walk with the Lord, going, yep. Because in their mind, the issue hasn't gone away. Midianites are still there. And yet Gideon's had a great victory in the spirit, and in that day in the spirit and in the natural. He's had a great victory. And he's met with betrayal from his people, sounds a lot like the Lord Jesus the night before he's crucified. Met with betrayal, anger, and murderous thoughts, murderous spirit. That's what he's met with. And unfortunately, how do I say this? It's like that today. Let me read it this way. God comes to revive the heart and passion and devotion to him, and he raises someone up to teaches them to break down strongholds and break the ties of the enemy in the spirit and, and remove the things that are blinding God's people and you come back and you're expecting, man, they're just going to be worshiping and, you know, you feel there's been a victory and they're like, where have you been? And there's like anger and betrayal because you can't, you do it unto the Lord and they benefit, but you don't do it for them, you do it for Him. Subtle difference, but very big difference. Otherwise, your heart will be poisoned by the response and everything stops. To walk with the Lord, friends, you need to know the Lord. And He is your source. Can you imagine the rhetoric? Who gave you the right, Gideon? It's a shame and honor society. Who gave you the right? What are you doing? What are you doing? And now, the enemy's over there and you're attacking us. <gasps> you know, the shock response. You're hurting us. The enemy's over there. He's doing what God told him to do. In a politically correct society, they would have said, you know, this just wasn't your choice to make. I mean, you say you're a Christian. I don't know, kid. I'm just worried about you. You know, you say you believe in God, but that wasn't right, and that's also not good, and I'm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> you know, in a religious society, Maybe something like, you know, Gideon, I, I know we, we shouldn't have been involved with the bail, and, I, you know, I know that, and that's not good. But what you did, you know, there's a committee for that. And, and, and you, didn't, you didn't ask him, and that's also not right. You know, sin is sin, and now you're, you're probably going to go to hell. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Just the response of the people. And he's done something mighty in God. And God's people attack him. 
What's the revelation that needs to sink in? When the enemy suffers defeat, when the enemy feels like he's losing because it was a spiritual victory, he responds with division. Look at our land. He responds with division. When the enemy is afraid, he divides. That's his answer. And he will start by trying to divide people in God's house, keeping them fighting each other. Hello? Versus actually partnering together not to fight people. If we spent half of the energy, we spend doing everything else, and on our knees and in worship and crying out to the Lord, you'd be amazed. Instead of, well, when they worshiped like that, I don't believe in that. So I'm going to go over here with my little group, and now there's groups and sects and types, and Midianites are like, whoo, they're fighting each other. The enemy, when he is afraid, throughout the Bible, he responds with division. Division in a marriage, division in a house, division in a family, division in a business, division in a nation, division in a church, division in church leadership. When I see division, I've taught myself. When I see division, you can ask my wife, I'd speak like this, I'd think like this because of this, actually because of this story, and then I started to see it everywhere. I start to look for when was the, what did the enemy lose? I get excited. Oh, he's about to be overthrown. He's all nervous. He's causing division. This is, feels terrible, but God's involved here. How can we bring restoration? Because he lost something somewhere. So what happens? Well, let's read. Verse 31. But Joash. Can we all say that? But Joash. I love this guy. But Joash said to all who stood against him. Firstly, where did Gideon run? Interesting. He destroyed all his father's stuff. Where did he go? To his dad's house. The men of the city said, bring him out. This tells me something. He probably wasn't a moral man, but he was a good father. Gideon knew, I could go and do all this stuff to my dad's stuff and then go and hide behind my dad. You know, I've done that. Hello. Maybe not a moral man. Maybe he wasn't walking with the Lord. But he loved his boy. The necessity of a father. Verse 31. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a God. Oh, if. Something coming out of him that's always been there. If. If he is a God, small g, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he, Joash, called him Gideon, a father to a son. He called him Jeroboam, saying or meaning, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Walking with the Lord requires fathers. There's a necessity of fathers. The Bible says you have many teachers, but not many fathers. Joash, even the root word of Joash, comes from Jehovah, the father. So Gideon obeys the Lord, goes and hides behind his dad, and he said, would you plead for Baal? 
And in other words, he's starting to reveal that maybe they were wrong in protection of his son. What does he do? He says something that is common sense. Not some great spiritual revelation. Common sense. If he is a God, Gideon's in trouble because he just desecrated him. That's common sense. What does he do? What does the father do here? He says something that everybody knows is true, but no one wants to say it. Oh, we need that today. What does Isaiah 5 say? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Those who are wise in their own eyes, prudent in their own sight. They're saying there's a day coming. Well, that day has come. And we need people, fathers, parental type people with some authority. They don't even have to be the best people. He built the bale. He made this mess. But now there's an opportunity to be a dad. Friends, I'm going to say some things here that need to be said. When a man can suddenly be a woman, even though he is not a woman biologically, genealogically, physiologically, that makes no sense. And for me to say that, what I've just said, means I, in this culture, am mean, judgmental, cruel, critical, bigoted, because I've said a man cannot just decide to be a woman. A common sense. Yeah. And let me say this. I'm not aiming this at any person. It is possible for me to say this and love all people. And this is where the church needs to learn, not love until they look like you. No, love like he loves. No condition attached. I love you regardless. And still speak basic truth. It's common sense. It needs a father. When a person gets fired for stating this happened, a political person got fired for saying that a man cannot get pregnant. You got fired. That's insane. That's insane. When when a crossdresser, when a crossdresser is sent to read to young children, kids, little kids, in school, to teach them about gender fluidity, friends, <laughs> the enemy will always take some attribute of God and change what it means, and then say that that's what they're doing. They're doing it for love. It's not love. You know, just speak plain. And if you have kids in here, just warning, warning. Testicles produce testosterone. Ovaries produce estrogen. Okay? Once a child hits a certain age, there is something that could, there is something called gender dysphoria, which is young kids who are confused and with, and for various reasons, but for counseling and other things, most of them just grow out of it and they live a good whatever and it's fine. Now there are clinics across the world, across the world, that they are allowing in some places, in some states even in this nation, to give a child what they call puberty blockers, which are the same 
hormones and chemicals that they used to use for chemical castration to a child young, eight, nine, and does not have to alert the parents, which means there are little girls having mastectomies that are 12, 13, 14. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's not okay. It's not okay. And they are giving these kids drugs because they have put thoughts in their mind that 99%, there are some, there is always one or two, there are some who would think about some of that stuff. But you take a bunch of kids and you take them outside of this world and raise them on some farm, those thoughts don't enter their brain. People say, well, how do you know? Have you done a clinical trial? Yeah, it's called thousands of years of history. <laughs> you know, it's insane. And they're giving them chemicals and stuff that affect them for the rest of their life. And then asking them to make decisions when they don't even trust them to make a decision about what they're going to study. You know that the temporal lobe, prefrontal cortex, isn't even developed till they're 25. Marie, a wonderful friend, and her boys that are now here with me, so now you know. When they used to do stupid stuff as kids, Marie would just look at us and be like, Brain, something missing. <laughs> Friends, this is what Joash does. Hey guys, Baal's a god. Now we'll find out. Common sense. I, says, I say to Jen, if I could sell common sense today, I'd be a millionaire. And she says to me, no, you wouldn't because people need common sense to want it. Sorry, threw you under the bus there, babe. <laughs> Friends, when someone says what many need to say or want to say, but they don't, I have nothing against any person. I grew up with some of my best friends that became gay. Best male friends. Never had an issue. Loved them. When God's people forget His ways, they forget what He can do. They respond with what seems to make sense. They have the same weapons as the world, and the solution is gone, which is the Spirit of God upon a person. It says, therefore, on that day, He called him Jeroboam. Instead of this father in an honor and shaming society becoming offended that his son did that, becoming offended that his son did what he should have done, becoming insecure, he took an opportunity to put himself in front of and protect his son from what was coming his way. It's another hinge on this story. If Joash didn't emerge at this moment, the Midianites would never have been defeated. Because to walk with the Lord, you will need people around you that help you, that stand up for you. God is looking for fathers in his house who will partner with him and raise the next generation who are facing things that you don't understand, but you can stand in front of them, protect them. Joash type fathers, I'll read this list quickly and the scriptures will come up, all the scripture reference. They emerge under pressure. Real, genuine father emerges under pressure. Maybe he's not the most moral man. You touch his kids, see what happens. 
speak the truth. Fathers, speak the truth. Fathers, protect children, not just their children, all children. Children. They really are a helpless age, children. And they need help. Fathers speak identity. He spoke identity over his son. You know, that father named him Gideon. You know what Gideon means? Hewer, cut her down. So it's like, he's like, okay, well, I mean, he did it. I kind of named him that. <laughs> so, you know, in the Hebrew world, that's a big deal. Because sometimes the God will look for you to be faithful with your practical talents. So that he can give you some spiritual ones. Everywhere Gideon went from this day forward, everywhere Gideon went, everywhere he went, he was a reminder. His name, Jeroboam, everywhere he stood was a reminder of the impotence of Baal. When I see scripture, what Jesus spoke about is a church that where the church is, the gates of hell will not prevail. He said the church is a reminder of his defeat. When they forget God, they're not. Can I quickly wrap this up? Another few minutes. You guys good? Yeah. Then it says what? What happens? Judges 6.33. Well, let's, let's actually read it here. Yeah, 33. So then all the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and then he blew the trumpet. Friends, Everything's changed in their world. Everything's changed, but nothing's changed. And this is where the church needs to wake up and understand spiritual things that need to take place. Everything's changed. The Baal, the worship's been restored on the land. God's revealed. Everything's changed. On the outside, Midianites are still there. The army's still growing. They're gathering in a cl even closer. Things are getting worse. Everything's changed, but nothing's changed. But everything's changed. The enemy just has no idea. And the enemy continues to gather while God is working with his own people. Still the same today. But the enemy makes a big mistake. <laughs> you know where he gathers? In the valley of Jezreel. You know what Jezreel means? God sows. It's really dumb when the Israelites are sowing and it says there's no harvest. And then to gather against El Shaddai in a place that is called God sows. That's not smart. Why? Because God sows people. God sows people. And he only needs one. One to stand. One. And I can see the Lord in heaven not, not you know, getting excited. I've found one. One after my heart. I find one who will, who will obey me when he's afraid. I found one who will worship me even though it makes no sense. I found one, just a one. I only need one. And then I need someone who is willing to be sown. And unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it'll feel like death to that person. But if I can find one who says, God, sow me. Just one. All bets are off. Just one. And he found one. And what happens? 
a mantle is born. It says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You know, the encounter that he had with God didn't bring the, the mantle. Obedience did. We think, oh, just this mantle will come in this great encounter with the Lord. No. The encounter showed him who God was. Obedience to what God said brought a mantle. When the Spirit of God rests upon a person, you can see it. You can notice it. And all of a sudden, the counterfeit is seen for what it is. The counterfeit is exposed because the Spirit of God descends upon the one. And when that happens, friends, what happened? It says, then, not before, then the vision came. Then he blew the, tr the, blew the trumpet. And they, all the people wanted to kill him, they all gathered behind him, stood in rank and file. Why? Because they've seen something they've not seen before. The Spirit of God descended upon a man. This generation hadn't seen that. They're like, ah, oh, that's what our fathers told us about. That's what we're called to. And they gathered in rank and file. And a mantle is born. We need friends to take back the high places. And I don't even always know how and why. And it will take courage. And it will cost us. We need to remember that when the enemy starts to so when we see division, don't fall for it. Even if you get even if they've offended you. Get over yourself, get over it, there's a bigger deal going on. We need fathers in the house across the world. We need fathers to stand up to propel sons instead of expecting sons to impress them. And I'm blessed to have a father like that. To propel sons because there I, God will equip that person for that generation. And we need the Spirit of God in our midst once again. Once again. I'll leave you with a with a quote, and I've asked my dad to just come and pray a father's blessing over us. John Wesley said this, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And that is true. Dad, can you come pray for us? I have the privilege of uh, praying a prayer over us, a Father's blessing that Clayton asked me to do. Just want to say this, in 1988, a man called Paul Kane is no longer with us. Some of you might have heard that name or haven't heard that name. He was driving down in Kansas City. He had this one of his Ford trucks, and the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord said to him, the first Western martyr, true Western martyr, will come as a result of the homosexual issue. In other words, people will give their lives to stand for truth concerning this issue. But God is in control. Hallelujah. So I want to pray a blessing over us. And some of us 
maybe haven't had a great father figure in our life, and some of us, maybe your father passed away before you could receive a blessing from him, or you never received a blessing from your earthly father. So I want to first of all pray over us a blessing that came through Moses to the people of Israel, and then I just want to pray a blessing that I've written out over us. So yes, if you could stand, it would be great. And as I just pray this, I have the privilege of being a father and a grandfather. So it comes from that heart that I want to pray over us. And maybe some of it will just pass over you, but something maybe that is said fastens onto your heart. Even if it's just one line, take that, because that's God's word to you today. In amongst what Clayton has shared, the wonderful sermon that he gave. So in number six, you see God blessed the people of Israel through Moses. And um, he goes on to say that the blessing of that God would place on him, he would give his name and his blessing to those who have heard it. So this is, therefore, may the God bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then for me as a father and a grandfather, I bless you with the nearness of God. I bless you with a heart after God that grows ever stronger as you seek him. I bless you with the strength of the Lord as it is in him you will find your strength. I bless you with the abundant joy of the Lord. I bless you with the peace of the Lord. May the Lord bless you with answers in your day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May the Lord grant you according to his heart's desire and fulfill all your petitions and purpose. Be blessed with the ability to trust in the Lord. Be blessed with the Lord's provision. Be blessed with a heart of praise and worship. Be blessed with a heart of a cheerful giver. May goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Be blessed with a heart of love for God the Father, Jesus his Son and the Holy Spirit, firstly, and then the Bride of Christ and for the lost, that they too may enter into the kingdom. Be blessed with patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control as you grow in the intimacy with God. I bless you with love and appreciation for God's amazing creation that he made for us to enjoy. Be blessed with fruitfulness in every area of your life as you walk with Jesus. May the Lord guide you and bless you all the days of your life. May you know his great rest even amongst the busyness of life. I bless you to dream in God and know that in him all his dreams are possible. May your children and your children's children and their children's children be blessed by the Lord through you and others all the days of your life. I thank you, Father, that you are our Heavenly Father. That is how you revealed yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ.
our Father in heaven. Thank you that you give us identity. Thank you that you call us to yourself. Thank you that we in turn can bless others because you're our Father. And so may these words that I've spoken this morning find root. May these seeds fall, find root, and grow in the hearts of your people. In the mighty name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day. I encourage you, let that resonate within you. What a, what a day. <clears throat> On your way in, you passed a photo booth. I encourage you to grab an embarrassing, endearing picture with Dad. There's props and stuff. And I have two actual, physical, literal $50 gift cards. You're winners. And I wasn't going to say this stuff on the ticket, but I'm going to say it. With two children. And they describe that he loves to watch the same things that we like. Mr. Adriel Firmino. And number two. That's right. Number two, with four children, their favorite thing about him is his shiny head. That is why I wanted to read these. Rene Picota. So come on up, I have your gift cards. Be blessed, happy Father's Day. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Father's Day. We are glad you're here. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. On June 26th, we will be hosting water baptisms after church at the Deneen's home in Percival. Please join friends and family as they make this important declaration of faith. Want to serve but not sure where to start? Check out our new Serve at FLC page on our website. There are many opportunities to serve here at Free Life, and you can use your gifts and passions to make a difference. Follow the QR code or visit our website for more information. We are looking for more volunteers to join the audio-visual team. Help us broadcast our service and ensure a seamless Sunday. No previous experience is necessary. Training will be provided. For more information or to join, please email us or follow the QR code. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give toward the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text FREE LIFE to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.